I live in a noisy world. You live in the same world I do? Near impossible to retreat away from all the noise. When I think about uh, the challenges that come to us, the obstacles that exist that uh, can't help but, but interfere with our lives of prayer, noise is right there at the top of the list. I was on a, went to a prayer retreat this last week, was in this space, was sharing some silence with some friends, and I could not believe that the place that had been selected for this retreat, uh, which was like this... Uh, monastic retreat center and I was so appalled because it turns out that it apparently is the room in the world with the noisiest air conditioner I've ever heard and so we would say okay we're going to share some time of silence and it'd be like you know how irritating how irritating right how irritating the other day I've got a um in our household, you know, it can be it can be pretty difficult to find. We have there there are a lot of us. <laughs> it can be pretty difficult to find a space with a little bit of silence. And um, I was sitting in this wonderful uh, wonderful green chair in our house, and it was the morning. Kelly was um, Kelly gets up earlier than I do most days, but she has already uh, gone to get a shower or something like that. I was in there. The kids are all asleep, and I I was ready to have my morning. How appalling that we call it quiet time. And I was sitting there and I was, I was ready. Okay. I, I opened the Bible. I read through the Psalms that were going to be my on-ramp that day uh, to my day of prayer. And I, and I'm telling you, I mean, I was, I was right there and I was, I was ready. I was ready for this time of silence with God And Birdie, who is a 50, no, I'm afraid if I throw it, she'll run out here. I, mean, she, I don't know. Birdie, our, our beautiful little um, Bernadoodle, comes up with this abomination. And I'm sitting there with the song, oh Lord, make haste to help me. Deliver me, oh God, from all my troubles. Oh, that cursed dog. I live in a noisy world, and I bet you live in a noisy world too. And it seems like wherever we might hide from all the noise, there's always going to be something Something, something to distract us, something to pull us away, something to make that space that we try to reserve with God. I mean, there's always noise to interrupt, right? One of uh, my favorite, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not putting this back in my pocket. Um, <laughs> 
One of my favorite writers about the life of prayer is a guy by the name of Evagrius. Um, Evagrius was a, um, a monk. He was, he was writing about, four, about 350 years after Christ. He's about four of the early, late fourth century. And during that time period, this was a moment where many of the people that are trying to pursue a life of prayer, um, it was the first time that they kind of fled the, the cities and, their, and, and moved out to create these um, basic, very simple shelters and shacks out in the wilderness, in the desert, where they would pursue a life of prayer. And Evagrius is one of these desert fathers. He, he went out and he had his, you know, shelter or whatever, but he, he, he was astonished to find that when he went out into the desert, that it turned out that that was a pretty noisy place too. And not because of creatures or whatever, the sounds of nature, that, that the desert that are happening in the wilderness. But it turned out that the noise went with him because it was inside of him. That as much as we might complain about all the external sounds that would interfere with what we're, our, our, our our attempts to connect with God, that it turns out that all the internal noise can be just as loud. Some of us, some of you here today, live in a world of deafening internal noise. I know this, right? And sometimes I'm right there with you. My mind can jump from place to place so quickly, like a chain of events. And it seems like I can't break the noise of the inner chatter. In fact, I think sometimes we create the external noise because we're trying to retreat from the internal noise that's already in our heads and already has all of our attention. Sometimes it feels like if we can just put something on Netflix, we can kind of slow down what's going on in our internal minds. I don't think we necessarily do that consciously, but I believe that sometimes we spend a lot of energy avoiding what's going on in our inner lives. The noise that we find there, which is every bit as interruptive and distracting as that squeaky ball that Birdie was playing with in her mouth. Every bit as much. Sometimes the noise that we find it difficult to deal with when we're trying to come to God in prayer. And I, this is really just about these obstacles. I think to move forward in prayer, we, we have to name some of the obstacles in our way. And that noise is one of those. One of the sources of noise, of our internal noise, is, you know, we start with our feelings, okay? Like, we're just kind of hot or cold one day. We feel really passionate. We're upset. We're angry. We're, we're deeply inspired. So, you know, we have all this range of our, our emotional lives. And actually, that's not the thing that I find so terribly distracting. What I find distracting are my feelings about my feelings. That I have some you know, moment of distraction or thought or feeling something that arises with me. And then I start having feelings about that. Fe you know what I'm talking about? Where I feel frustrated because of the anger that I felt. Or I feel, you know, when I, when I want to come to God in a moment of deep intimacy with God, I want to have, I want to have this sense of, of connection with God. And then that feels a little flat. And then I have feelings about that feeling of flatness. Does that make sense? 
And it makes me feel like oh, I must be not doing something right. I must be on the wrong path. Or, and the feelings about my feelings become part of the noise, part of the internal thing going on inside of my head that makes it so distracting. Evagrius went to the desert and he said, if anybody wants to really test themselves against some of the more fierce demons, let them take note of the thoughts that are running through their head. I mean, maybe your idea of the demonic world is something from the exorcist, somebody's head spinning around and vomit everywhere. But the real, real busyness of the demonic attack against us, what the enemy really leverages against us, is the chatter between our ears. The noise that we carry within us. And you can't go far enough into the desert to get away from that. No monastic cell has ever been created that was far enough removed from the world that it can take you away from all of those things. I can't get er up early enough in the morning that that noise isn't already there too. We live in a world of noise. And it's difficult to turn down the noise, whether we're thinking about the external noise or the internal noise, the things that are going on within our ears, the feelings that we have and the feelings that we have about our feelings, the thoughts that we have and the thoughts that we have about our thoughts, the ways that we will chase our own tail. Just down. And I want to offer you, there's two ways we could do this, right? One thing is to talk about the techniques that can help us deal with that. And, and there are some things. There are certain ways of practicing um, meditation and silence that can help us turn the volume down on all those things. But I want to be careful about piling up heavy loads. And instead, what I really want to offer today, I'm, I'm happy to talk about those things, by the way, if you want to. Talk about some of those processes. Let's have, let's have some of those conversations. But I think before we get to that, there is, an, there is a truth from the gospel that we need to take with us. And that is this. Our connection with God does not depend on our ability to tune the noise out. Now, that's not to say that there aren't things that we might do to learn to live with more peace and solitude in our hearts. It's not to say that there aren't times where we need to focus on casting all of our, anxi our anxieties onto the Lord who is near, okay? Bring everything with prayer and supplication to God so that we can know the peace that passes understandings, like Philippians says. It's not to say that there aren't other things that we can do to turn the noise down a little bit. I mean, in uh, 1 Peter, in chapter 3, verse 7, 
we husbands are told that if we want nothing to hinder our prayers, then we should be considerate to our wives. That's a different sermon. First Corinthians 7 suggests that happily married couples should sometimes take a break from their vibrant sex lives so that they may be more devoted to their prayers. No amens there? Not to say that there aren't practices. Jesus himself did go out to the desert. He found that the devil met him there too. And there aren't times where we need to spend, devote ourselves to the practices of prayer more and more. But all of that to the side for a second. And I want to speak with a voice of encouragement today. That's really the point of this sermon. The point is to encourage you that our connection with God, the intimacy that we seek with God does not depend on all of those things that we would might do. All of those practices. Turn with me to first John. First John, listen to listen to what John's has to say here that I think tunes our ears to something that is more important than just the feelings that we have about our feelings. Beginning in verse 18, John writes, little children, let us love not in words or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. Now, this is about the feeling that we have within our own hearts, the feelings about the feelings that we have. Our hearts sometimes are telling us messages of shame, messages of discouragement, messages about uh, that, that want to communicate something about the, our, our lives with God. John goes on and says, for God is greater than our hearts. God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have boldness before God. We receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and we do what pleases him. Hear the interplay here? That there is a truth about our life with God that is much truer than what we may feel at any particular moment. We may feel like, oh, I'm just spinning my wheels. We may feel like, oh, why can't I quiet, quiet my mind? We may feel like we, there, there must be people out there who somehow are focusing in their spiritual lives much more than we are. We may feel all sorts of messages that want to communicate something to us about whether or not we are meeting God or not. But God is greater than our feelings. And the truth of God in the gospel of Jesus is that God dwells with us despite the way that we may feel about it. We may be hiding ourselves with whatever leaves we can find in the garden and yet God still dwells in the garden and he's ready to walk with us and to give us grace even in those moments of our biggest failures. 
God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything and he knows the truth about us that we think and he knows the truth that is beyond our thoughts, the thought that is beyond our feelings. How can it be? What is it about the gospel that makes this happen? I think Paul would say it has to do with the spirit of God. The spirit of God that has chosen not to remain separate from us, but instead in Jesus has come to dwell within us. In Romans 8, and I'm looking forward to being in Romans 8 in our Bible classes here in a couple of weeks. I keep wanting to cheat ahead. But in Romans 8, turn with me if you will. Paul says this beginning in verse 26. He's been talking about hope and about what it means to persist in hope and in patience, even though we may not be able to understand it. And by the way, he's talking about the tumultuous, chaotic world. The world of noise is part of this passage, I think. See all this noise in the world? How, what does it mean to live in hope in the middle of a world that has lots of signs of hopelessness? Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our weakness, in our sickness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows the mind, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. My friends, would you believe it? That you may feel like your prayers must seem a weak and poor thing before God. And the witness of Paul in this passage is that the reality of the situation is that your prayers are formed by the very Holy Spirit of God in words that you can't even perceive. That when God sees you, God who searches the heart, what is it that he finds in the heart? His own spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit who is praying, interceding for the saints, praying according to the will of God. You see the difference here? We, he says, we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but thank God it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on us. The truth is, it's sitting in my green chair, even while that doggone Bernadoodle was squeaking that toy all to her own glory of God. While I found myself to be distracted, God perceived me to be present. God's presence with me cannot be foiled by my moment 
of distraction. The noise does not send God away. Prayer is not our capacity to overcome the noise. Prayer is not the space in which we are trying somehow, if we can just perform the ritual correctly, and if we can find the right words, and beyond the words, we can find the right space of attention. We can somehow interrupt God by our worthy performance. Winning God's attention. Prayer is the discipline of discovery where we find that God awaits us and dwells with us. We don't go to prayer to summon God. He is already there with us. And in fact, the spirit of God within us is already reaching out to the father in the name of the son, crying out and praying for us. Prayer has already been going on for a while before we even think to say, dear father. Even in the midst of a tumultuous, chaotic, hopeless world. The true voice of prayer cries out from within us, our weak selves. The true voice of prayer cries out. And what is it that that prayer says in, earlier in that same chapter in Romans? In Romans 8. In verse 12. See then, brothers and sisters, we're not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. And when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So hear it. Hear the noise. Hear the loud fan in the ceiling and the squeaky ball coming from the dog and the sounds of the kids playing or fighting in the other room. And hear the ambulance that rolls down 6th Street when I'm trying to have morning prayer. Hear it all. And know that underneath all the noise, through all the noise, there is a deeper voice. A voice crying out from all of the children of God who are in Christ Jesus. Saying over and over with God, the one with Jesus who taught us to say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And our spirits cry out. God's spirit cries out from within us saying, Oh, Father, Father, Father. So many of our brothers and sisters in all the world today 
maybe putting themselves to different tasks, having already gone to church, they're setting about trying to figure out what's going to happen on Monday. They're putting food on their table for their family tonight. And in their hearts, they pray as surely as we do here in the sanctuary. And their hearts cry out with the spirit of God saying, Abba, Father, Father, Father. What it is to be in Jesus. To be people who, yes, do practice a discipline of prayer, a discipline that helps us discover the truth that already is. That God is with us and dwells with us. And in the very moment of our weakness, chooses to call us his sons and his daughters. Chooses to hold us in love by his son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So the encouragement that I want to offer you today is when you find yourself meeting the distractions of prayer, all the noise and the internoise, all the things that your feelings and then the feelings about the feelings, when you meet all those obstacles in prayer, meet them in confidence, born not of yourself, but in the confidence that comes from the Spirit of God. The enemy may do what he can to distract you, but he cannot stop your prayers which come from the Spirit of God within you. There's this prayer from Thomas Merton that captures some of this to me. It goes like this. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, and nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the very desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. And I hope that I'll never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you'll lead me by the right road. Even though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me. And you will never leave me face my perils alone. I think Merton's right. Ultimately, it's not about whether or not we're getting the performance right, whether we're doing things in the, in the perfect way as we think. Paul, you know, ha happily can, can say we don't know how to pray as we ought to. But prayer happens despite that. Our friend Evagrius 
said this. Happy is the spirit which, even though he prays with distraction, goes on increasing its desire for God. Today, we are in the midst of what surely has to be the noisiest epic in world history. We find so many ways to tune up the noise, to turn on the volume. We even have literally a noise machine in our house. Listen past the noise. Listen. Practice that discipline of discovery, which does not assert or summon the presence of God, but instead seeks it. Seek within. Find. Find that God is with you and that the Spirit of God has already begun prayers waiting for you to show up. Be encouraged. The gospel of Jesus does not depend on you, but it is for you. Let us pray together. Oh God, we cry out with your spirit. Abba, Father, you are the one to whom we belong and we dwell in you. Catch our attention whenever you can and teach us to tune down the noise when we can. But beyond that, give us the confidence to know no matter how noisy our hearts that you are always with us that you dwell among us and are bringing about our redemption in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Let's sing together.